You're listening to More Than This, the podcast where Christian faith and reason explore reasons for Christian faith. Life's not a sequence program from the sky. Life's a story woven up, down, in and out, like the in the- If you enjoy our show, please consider supporting us for as little as $1 a month on Patreon. Check out our site at www.patreon.com forward slash more than this pod. Thank you. This week on More Than This, we talk about prayer. How, when, and why are we supposed to do it? What does prayer do, if anything? As usual, we show our theological ineptitude and our general lack of personal piety. It's a big topic and one you'd think we'd understand better at this point of our lives. Pray for us. Enjoy. Hello again. Welcome to another installment of More Than This. We're excited this week. We're going to be talking about uh, communication with God or the divine, uh, commonly called prayer. It's usually what we call it, but this is our prayer episode, and we were calling it How, When, and Why. Uh, which may uh, take us through sort of the evolution of prayer in our lives, Kate. I'm not really sure. Maybe that is a good way of sort of summarizing different periods of our spiritual growth Mm. and relationship to prayer. I don't know. But uh, yes, so this is an interesting topic. And uh, sometimes by virtue of the religious tradition or whatever you came up in, there are certain ways you're taught to pray and certain ways that prayer is framed. Uh, and we have been praying in various formats for a long time. Kate and I have, I'm sure. Uh, so we're going to talk a little bit about what we've discovered today and some of the things that are probably more mysterious than ever about prayer, even though we've been theoretically doing it for a long time. So Kate, why don't you, you talk a little bit about some of the, uh, I don't know if we're talking about debates today really, but more just sort of the range of kinds of prayer and ways people think about prayer, if you could give us a little backdrop for our conversation. Happy to. So I am going to confess that we we knew that this was an, a topic we wanted to discuss, and I immediately felt guilty when we decided we were going to talk about it. Um, in the same way I felt a little bit about the Bible reading topic, I was like, oh yes, how to read the Bible. I should be doing that more. In the same way that I think, I don't know about you, Dave, but I constantly feel in my life like, wow. I should be praying more. I'm going to get into more personal stuff, but I'm not an expert on prayer. And so I had to, uh, I need, I feel the same. Yeah. So, you know, my whole life in the church and I still am pretty confused about how prayer works, when it works, exactly how it's supposed to happen. So how formal it's supposed to be. Yep. When you're, when you're technically doing it maybe and when you're not. Exactly. So I'm going to, I decided I, there's a, book that I remembered reading once upon a time. So I'm drawing on that for this book, uh, for this episode by Richard J. Foster, who I actually, I like him very well. And I've read some other books of his and he has a book specifically on prayer as a sign of how out of touch I thought I owned this book. And I searched high and low in my whole house and could not find it the other day. So either I wanted to read it and thought I bought it and read it, or I never read it. But thankfully the internet provided me with a really nice summary 
of um wow some things on prayer i know how low can i go i'm gonna choose to think that it it made such an impact on you that you gave it to somebody else to read can i be very honest with you i don't want to sound sanctimonious but that's what i thought to myself too because i have done that before with books if it's that good i give away my copies yeah that's fair so i'm gonna i'm gonna give myself a pass yes um well i i i remembered from whatever I did with this book at one time that he listed a lot of different types of prayer. And I think my vague recollection was like, there's simple prayer and then there's like meditative prayer and like a couple others. Let me tell you, Dave, there's a lot more than that. I just looked it up. Go on. Yeah, I looked it up and I'm just going to read them out to you. So this is, I I think people would say he's a pretty, you know, respected figure and this is a classic yeah a classic exactly so here are the types of prayer i'm just going to give you the types simple prayer prayer of the forsaken prayer of examine the prayer of tears prayer of relinquishment formation prayer i don't really understand what that is covenant prayer not really sure what that is either prayer of adoration that one makes sense to me we're going to get to our acts acronym a little bit later dave stick a pin in that all right okay um, the prayer of rest. Yeah, that doesn't make any is sense. Is that when you fall asleep praying? Uh, if, if it is, I'm doing really I say, good. I, I'm really good at that one. <laughs> I'm excelling at that one. Yeah, yeah. Sacramental prayer. I mean, that makes sense. Um, Sacramento? Sacramental. Oh, I say, is that a California-based prayer? <laughs> no, okay. but, but that actually seems pretty nice. I could do that one more uh, because it's written out for me. Um, unceasing prayer, failing at that one. The prayer of the heart. I don't really know how that's different. Aren't all prayers prayers of the heart? The I like that Taylor Dane song, Tell It to My Heart from the 80s, and that makes me think Tell of that. Tell me I'm the only one. Is this really love or just a game? I like how you didn't actually sing it. You just said it. Thanks Nobody for... wants to hear me sing. <laughs> well, anyways, there's the prayer of the heart. We're up to 12. I'm, I'm, I'm getting oh, to... Oh, the list is still going. Yes. Okay. Dave, the list is still going. Oh, yeah. Meditative prayer, that's the other one. Uh, that I fall asleep during that I, I knew that one existed and I felt like there's a little controversy. Some people aren't really into the meditative prayer. Contemplative prayer? How's that different from meditative prayer, Richard Foster? I don't you know. You stay awake. I Maybe. Praying the ordinary? Uh, okay. Petitionary prayer? Um, I thought simple prayer was when you ask God for things and it seems like petitionary prayer would be when you ask God for things. So I don't know, is that more complicated simple prayer? I think the petitionary prayer is where you have to have 50 people at least sign it for God to consider it. Oh, it's like a petition. Yes. Ah, you got to have a quorum. Okay, that's a political science-y word. Do you know what a quorum is, Dave? It's a representative amount of people, right? (sighs) He's so smart. Okay. All right, moving on. We got a couple more. Intercessory prayer. Do you really want to know how I know what a quorum is? I don't know. From being being dragged to church uh, business meetings growing up. Is that true? And we could only vote on member stuff if we had a quorum. Well, look at them using some nice organizational tactics. I learned things. Yeah. Okay, so intercessory prayer. I guess that's when you pray for others. Uh, Healing prayer. I don't know. What's the difference between healing prayer and intercessory prayer? And then the prayer of suffering. I think it's beseeching. If you really beseech, maybe it rises to the level of an intercessory prayer. I think you, I think it's in the beseeching. Okay. All right. You just wanted to say beseeching. All right. Pra- oh, I still do. The prayer of suffering and authoritative prayer. Oh my gosh. The list is still going. Radical prayer. That was the last one. What is radical prayer? That's when uh, 80s uh, Christian music uh, artist Carmen prays. 
Oh my God. I think I saw Carmen live I, more than once probably. So Dave, can I just say that was 21 different types of prayer and I am not making fun of Richard Foster. No, it's a, it's a, he made a real contribution, but yeah, but I'm overwhelmed by that. And I can tell you, like I said, I maybe hit on two of those types of prayers sometimes. Right. Um, so I, all this to say, um, I think it is, there's a lot of different types of prayer. I have only begun to scratch the surface of them. So nobody take my advice. I'm going to give personal experience, but that that's the overview of the types of prayer. Um, the mechanics, I think he deals probably a lot with the mechanics of prayer. It, it There's some... At this very basic level, I would imagine that the mechanics of prayer are there some type of, whether it's spoken aloud or in your mind, and I actually think some Christians have debate over that. I, I had a Sunday school, the, are my pastor's wife in one of my churches growing up, who was our Sunday school teacher, like tried to teach us that you couldn't pray in your head, like that didn't count as much. Really? Which was a little odd, and she and I kind of butted heads about a lot of things, and I was like, she also made us build, um, her big project for us was building a, a miniature scale of the temple from the Old Testament. It was like this, and I'm not an arts and craft person. That's a lot of cubits. It, Dave, I, we did so many conversions of cubits. It was like a math problem. It was, and we had like wool and gold and like all these different things. So all this to say, I told my parents, I was like, you seriously want me to spend six months crafting this stupid thing? And they were like, you have to go to Sunday school. And I was like, this is the dumbest project in the history of the world. That is amazing. And Can't it was, you just do it with popsicle sticks and be done with it? Or just not do it at all? Yeah, I mean, every, anything that couldn't be done with popsicle sticks in Sunday school for me and glue was like beyond the pale. Oh, yeah. Uh, there was, that's when my rebellious, I, I'm not, I think the, the phrase rebellious spirit might have been thrown around a little bit um, by this particular woman, who I actually really like and have a lot of respect for. I'm sorry that she had me when she was th- when I was 13 and 14 in this You class. did this at 13 and 14? Yes, we were building like this replica. Wow. Why they decided that was a good idea. But in any case, um, how did I get there from what I was talking about? I don't even know. Mechanics what of prayer. I don't remember. Oh, uh, she wanted me to pray out loud. Pray so out loud. As I was like, lady, head. you're making me build the temple, a scaled model. I'm not really buying. She had lost her authoritative voice in my life. I was like, I don't care if you say I have to pray out loud or not. But I do know that some people, you know, um, that's an issue. And yeah, that was a horrible or- overview on my part. Would you like to add anything to it? Oh, that uh, now I'm now I'm trying to think. Uh, yeah. It's communication, right? I mean, at the heart of what prayer is. It is about communication with God, and I, and I think this is um, this is interesting. So this for me, a lot of the things I was taught about prayer. Obviously, we we've gone over ad nauseum our our sort of conservative uh, evangelical upbringings, and there's it was emphasized we always use uh, a personal relationship mm-hmm. as kind of our metaphor for how we understand how we relate to God. Um, so prayer and talking was sort of like out of that, right? Out of yeah. that personal relationship. Well, you talk to God because you have a personal relationship with with him, with God. And then, you know, also it was emphasized not only maybe you you had the experience that praying in your head was discounted, but also in my experience growing up, it was discounted some of the mechanics of prayer. You didn't read your prayers because those were considered rote and dead. They were not living and active if you have a personal relationship with God, you create your own prayers. You are the, the architect and author of your prayers. It doesn't mean that there's not 
a sort of a template for how you pray, right? Right. And uh, what was the template that you were, you, you were taught a template as well? Uh, well, there's ACTS or ACTS. Uh-huh. Adoration. Confession. Thanksgiving. Supplication. Supplication. And I'd be like, sup with that. <laughs> I was real popular with my Sunday school teacher as well. Oh, I imagine. Oh, yeah. I kept it real. Um, yeah, so you could basically only ask for things at the end after you had, you know, after you had sort of revered God and, uh, which, and then confessed your sins to keep, get yourself clean, uh, show gratitude for the things you already had. And then at the end you could squeak in a few requests. And I had, I don't know at what point I was taught that same formula, but I used it, I think from the time I was little. And to be honest with you, I got real formulaic in that particular prayer. Like I got a system down at night. Like I would lay down in bed and my parents would say, you should pray. And I'd be like, okay. And I, I basically said the same thing. I just changed up the supplication. The, the, the C and the S might change a little bit depending on the circumstances, but I had the A and the T. I I knew how I was going to adore God, knew what I was going to give God thanks for. And I just varied the confession based on my, you know, my picadillos in the recent past and what was coming up before me for my supplication. It was, it isn't the worst thing in the world. And I think in some ways it, what it does is there's a prayer in a Christian tradition called the Lord's prayer. uh, And it was recorded as kind of his template for how followers should pray, how, Mm -hmm. how he recommended praying and the church, the universal church uses it a lot. Like if you go to mass Mm-hmm. If you go to Anglican, you know, services, wherever you go, the Lord's Prayer is often said in pretty much identical format. Uh, and those elements are there in the Lord's Prayer pretty much, right? I think that's that's kind of part of it. I think it. that's, you're right. I think it is patterned. That's the where it came from. But there was also joy. Do you know that one, Jesus and Others and You? No. So, yeah. So, yeah, there was a, a song that went along with it. But, yeah, you gave, you know, you prayed for... You prayed for you, uh, Jesus and others and you, what a wonderful way to spell joy. I can't remember the rest of it. Oh, okay. You just don't want to see it. But yeah, but it was like, you know, starting with God, then like you prayed for others, and then last you focus on yourself. I was always the most novel and invested in the yourself part and the supplication part. <laughs> Those were where I really had some originality and some artistic license. Some verve. Yeah, some verve. Sure did. Yeah. So again, I think that lays out just, I don't know, some of the things that are floating, you know, clearly there's a lot of different types of prayer. And one of the things I think I appreciate about how Richard Foster laid them out is he's putting both in there. He's saying there's a place for maybe that liturgical prayer. He's not calling it rote because that has a more negative connotation. Yes. He's saying there's room for liturgical prayer, contemplative prayer, prayer, meditative prayer, even though, as I've said, I don't know the difference between contemplative and meditative. Um, but he's laying out that there's a bunch of different types of, of, of prayer. And I think if I recall from the book, he's saying they're all valuable. We see all of these used in scripture, and these are all ways that you can communicate with God. So probably I should read that book again and think about some of those uh, different types of prayer. But Do you want me to loan you my copy? Yes, please. Because I, I have it. Oh, geez. Thanks, yeah, Dave. Yeah, I do. I'm going to get on my Kindle. Don't worry. That's how I read books now. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. That's good. Um. So I guess, you, you know, we, so I think we actually already hit on how we sort of grew up with prayer, except yeah. I just want to hit on one more thing, what our experience has been with it. Um, 
or, or maybe I'll get a little bit more. I, I mean, I prayed just to say I prayed growing up. I heard people pray out loud in church. Yes. When somebody was hurting or there was some someone that needed help, we would pray for them. I mean, that's something we did as a family. We prayed before meals. Um, I was told to pray before I went to bed. My parents prayed with me. We prayed. As, I mean, there was a lot of prayer that happened and my parents took that seriously and we saw, we heard them pray. Does that make sense? It wasn't only in church. Was it right. the same for you that you heard prayer a lot? I, you know, we prayed at home and, uh, for those of you outside the church, uh, you always pray before meals yeah. for some reason. Thank, uh, thank yeah, you. it's like being grateful for provision of food, which I think is pretty cool and it's good. Uh, but we didn't stop and pray and out of gratitude for anything else in our lives. You know, like we went, you know, into air conditioned bedrooms and went to bed. I, I never, you know, like was thankful for my mattress or, you know, the air conditioned mm-hmm. privilege that we lived in. Although we didn't have air conditioning until I was a teenager, really. So, um, I wasn't, I was not grateful <laughs> for the state, pretty air quality and temperature, most of my upbringing. So, so I'm going to throw in one little anecdote about prayer unless, am I cutting you off, Dave? I did. Uh, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, well, it, it, this tradition remains in my family to this day. My dad, again, my dad coming up in these lumen larger than life in these podcasts. Hi, dad. He, um, was usually the one that would pray before meals and he's known to get a little sermony in his prayers or he takes full advantage of the stage is what I would say. And I don't think there's anything insincere, but he, he's very thankful for all the people that are around the table, for our blessings, for Jesus dying on the cross, for our sins. Like he gets, you know, he doesn't just bless the meal, but, and, and it's, and it's very heartfelt on his part. He's very sincere, so sincere that my brother, my sister and I just can't help but try to bother each other during the prayer. So as children, we would reach under the table when my dad was praying and pinch each other's legs or whatever we could get of somebody to try to make them make a noise so they'd get in trouble, you know, with dad. And you'd think we would have outgrown this, but I joke you not, anytime, Thanksgiving, regular, whenever my brother, my sister, or any combination of us are together at my dad's house, and we all have kids now, we're grownups, we still do it. We reach under the table, we pinch each other, and it is, and whoever makes a noise, my dad just, at the end of the prayer, he looks at us with just utter disgust. Can't you people grow up ever? I'm praying here, and you're still pulling that crap. I mean, he does not appreciate it, so he just, withering looks, Dave, withering looks of disgust. We are not very, we have not acquiesced to Greg's uh, mealtime prayers length yet. I give I give that a lot of respect. <laughs> A lot of respect. <laughs> so anyways, um, all this to say, uh, Dave, do you still pray as a practice? Is this something that happens at your house with you and your wife? How? Where would you say your prayer life is now? I, I think it's it's changed over time, so we haven't really gone. You know, funnily enough, I, one of the things that uh, – you ever watch – there's a, a, a movie – that's based on a play about the life of C.S. Lewis called Shadowlands. Yes. Oh, Dave, am I, did I grow up in the evangelical church? Come on. Have I seen the Shadowlands? I own it on Please. DVD. Yes. Me too, Dave. Digital versatile disc. I do. <sighs> so, uh, there's a line in, uh, Anthony Hopkins plays C.S. Lewis. And, uh, in the, in the movie, well, and in his life, his wife has cancer and she's not doing well. Uh, and somebody asks him about, uh, praying for her. And he's like, I don't, I don't 
pray to change God. Like, I, you know, I don't pray to change God's mind. I pray to change me. Mm-hmm. And uh, I thought that was interesting. So that was that kind of like highlights an evolution I went through. And that's a big debate in prayer. Like yep. when we pray, are we changing God's mind? Because if God is all powerful, is it just like he, God really wants us to, you know, be like, okay, you got to ask. If you want this thing, I should kind of know. Somebody in your life needs physical healing. Like what, what are we doing when we pray, right? Right. And I don't know if I have the answer to all that. I don't know. Because it gets into open theology and what God knows and whether God changes his course or stays his hand or, or whatever God does. Mm-hmm. Um, and it can feel kind of futile. I felt at points in my life where it's kind of futile. You know, if you grow up where it's like everything is determined in advance. It's like, why are we praying again? Just because we're supposed to? Because exactly. what's been decreed? It- it feels sort of artificial. I mean, not only are you praying to someone who, it's not like a conversation. People often talk about prayer as a conversation oh, with God. Yeah, I was just going to talk about that. Yes. But it's one-sided. And then also you're like, I'm having this one-sided conversation. And if everything is pre it just seems a little futile. Like it's also one-sided. It feels one-sided. I know other people have experiences right. of prayer where they feel like God speaks to them. Right. And that was that was one of the things that's grown for me too, where it's interesting, uh, where... I was taught growing up, you know, we always said personal relationship with Jesus. And then I just realized that metaphor got really strained for me because what kind of relationship does, you know, well, a lot of women would say men never talk. So maybe there's a relationship that's kind of the same, but like I do all the talking and that's it, you know, and I moved into a a church uh, where they actually taught, it was like really refreshing where they're like, no, God can talk back. I mean, that has abuses and controversies along with it. Uh, but how, how does God talk back or how, how did they teach that? I mean, like just either through like words of prophecy or pictures, like, you know, things that, that you get like in your mind where God speaks to you, they often call them intersecting thoughts. Mm-hmm. And I know this sounds crazy out loud, but I've had some pretty powerful experiences oh, I, of what Christians call the prophetic yeah. where, where God speaks, but it's not anything that, you know, you can try to maybe, uh, have the discipline of prayer. And if you listen, the more you listen for God, uh, probably the, I won't say the more you hear him, but the better you get at picking up on what God is saying, like mm-hmm. recognizing God speaking. Um, and that was another sea change in my, in my prayer life because it finally was like, this is like the most dumbass thing I've ever heard. Like why, how do we just pray to God? And there are certain things you don't pray about either. Cause we didn't believe like, really that God healed people either. You know, like we kind of did. We're like, oh, God, if it's your will, this person's like dying. But if it's your will, kill them. And if it's your will, heal them. We don't want to weigh in on this. I'm like, And we no. want to tip the scales one way or the other. We No, it's like, well, you have to deal with whatever comes. But like, I finally was, was in a church like, yeah. state your preference. Like, if God's caring and listens, like, you know, maybe he'll be moved or, or whatever happens. Again, I don't know. Yeah. So this has kind of been the arc of things. And then I still pray to your point of your question. I don't pray enough, but it's probably changed too. And I just was listening again to a replay of, uh, there's a podcast called On Being or a radio show called On Being with Krista Tippett. And she interviewed Eugene Peterson, hmm. who is the guy, for those of you who aren't familiar, he wrote a very popular paraphrase of the Christian scriptures called the message. Uh, it's been translated and, and, and distributed worldwide. 
Um, and he's just a great writer and, and, and thinker. And I, I think he's still alive. He's probably 84 now. Um, well, very precise. He's probably 84. Well, he was 82 oh, in 2016, wait. I think. When, I got it. I yeah, see how you're you 83. Your, yeah. So your no, math skills are on, on point. No, that was not. I did not have a prophetic uh, impulse there. <laughs> but she, Krista Tippett, asked him how he prays. You know, he's this guy who's written on prayer. He's like done all these things and he's been pastoring for over 50 years, you know, and he's, he's like, I mostly just shut up. Hmm. And we were always taught that prayer was about producing words, you know, growing yeah. up like the right chatter, the right format, the acts, the joy, whatever it was. And he's like, I have, he's like, I read, he's like, I've memorized seven Psalms. I say a different Psalm every day, like I go through. And then for 20 or 25 minutes, I don't say anything. And I'm done praying, like, at the beginning of the day. And I was like, if prayer prayer is really about communication, it's two-sided. It's about sort of being with God in your thoughts. It's about being with God in your spirit. Uh, and I do believe that there is something to them. You know, people, I also am a big Anne of Green Gables fan. Uh, so, you know, in the first book of the series, I know the reason that, we get along so well, Dave, Anna I, I, Green Gables, I have a very Gilmore eclectic Girls. set of influences on prayer, Krista Tippett, uh, CS Lewis, you know, in a movie, Anna Green Gables, but BBC miniseries, if we're, isn't it a miniseries? What is? Is Anna Green Gables a movie or a miniseries? No, Wonderworks. It's from, it's Canadian. Uh, yeah, it was, it was, Jeez, rock, Dave, look was, at you. There's probably a BBC version, but I'm talking about the Megan Follows, okay. Richard Farnsworth, Colleen Dewhurst. Actually, I'm talking about the books because I've read all eight many, 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 many times. Keep going, Dave. Oh, yeah. I'm down to Rilla of Ingleside. Ingleside. I, listen, I, I, read, I read all of them. I have them on my Kindle in case you're wondering. They're my soothing books. I reread them uh, uh, over and over as well. But go ahead, Dave. Does, How did you learn about prayer from Anna Green Gables? Well, I was just saying she... Uh, Marilla is thinks she's a perfect heathen because, uh, for those of you who don't know the story, she's an orphan girl that comes to live with an elderly brother and sister. Not elderly, but older. And the woman, Marilla, tries to say, you know, say she's ready for bed. She's like, well, get kneel down and see your prayers. And she's like, I don't know how to say my prayers. And she's like, you know, incensed. She's like, what? I have a heathen. And she teaches her like a set prayer, like, you know, give, you know kind of like the axe thing. And then Anne says, you know, if I really wanted to pray, I would just go lay out in the middle of a field, you know, and stare up at the big blue sky and just feel my prayers, you know. And Marilla is, of course, horrified at that. Um, and I th- But I think there's value to both because mm-hmm. I do sort of have that connection with God. Uh, I will say that for most, of, mostly I have to be at least focused or... Uh, mindful, I guess, to use sort of a more modern term. But I, my prayers take different forms now. And I try to, you know, because did you hear this growing up too, Kate, where they would always talk about the verse Paul says, pray without ceasing. Yes, yes. And when praying is saying words that are original <laughs> uh, and never repeating, you're like, oh, that's really hard. Yes, How exhausting. do you do that? Yeah. Like, like, you know, like your, your mind fries. But as you look at these like 29,000 types of prayer that Richard Foster talked about, however many there were, you start to realize that maybe prayer is a little different. Maybe it's not always about talking out loud. Maybe sometimes it's about listening. Maybe sometimes it's about communing in nature. And it's all the same God, and it's all the same sort of purpose and byproduct. But 
it makes a little more sense of Paul saying that we can pray without ceasing. How would you respond to? So I, I, I very quickly, my prayer life consists of trying to do the maybe more combination of meditative, contemplative, and I was. Uh, telling Dave earlier that often I fall asleep during those types of prayer. And there's an author I really appreciate called um, named Brennan Manning, who wrote a really popular book called The Ragamuffin Gospel, but a lot of other ones as well. And he has this section where he talks about um, how, how that's a common practice, that for people when they try to pray, whatever type of prayer they're trying to do, it often could be at night, you know, in bed. And he says, you know, God is not upset when you fall asleep reaching out for him. That's like a good way, any movement towards God. So he was kind of saying, you know, don't give up uh, because it's, it's better to be trying to pray and, and to fall asleep during it than to not even make any effort. So I take a little comfort in that maybe. But I, I to your point, I think I should probably be incorporating it. Probably the time to do meditative or contemplative prayer is probably not in bed <laughs> at night. I mean, that's like a recipe um, for falling asleep. But one area of one area of prayer that I struggle with or that I'm trying to figure out in my life right now, first of all, teaching of an almost nine-year-old son and teaching him how to pray is tricky um, because I I want him to pray, but the... F- because I mean, maybe, there's no app for it? Yeah. Well, because I think the formula, you know, I, I think... I. I need to talk to him more about it. I, I, I think because I feel conflicted about how to pray, it's hard for me to teach him how to pray. And so we, we he does pray at night. He says his prayers. He says what he's thankful for and prays for people. Um, and I think that's good and, and, and that's mm-hmm. fine. Um, he asks for protection. Sometimes he gets scared at night. I think that's a perfectly appropriate you know prayer for an almost nine-year-old to pray for God to protect him. But I one area where I struggle a lot with prayer. I try to be very careful to not say to people, oh, I'll pray for you. Cause I think too often that's like a, um, like a, a, a what's a placebo or like a, um, a panacea, like, oh, I'm praying for you or, cause I'm not always, first of all, if I'm not going to do it, then I don't want to say I'm doing it. Sometimes it really is that I'm thinking of someone. And I think the reason I have, so I try to say, I'm really thinking of you. I guess what I'm trying to say is I'm not sure what it means. There's a lot of hurt and suffering. Uh, in particular, in the past couple of months, I've had a lot of people that are close to me go through hard things, and I don't know what it means to pray for them. And I don't know what it means to pray when you pray for outcomes for people that are sick or, or different things, and those outcomes don't come to fruition. I, I'm trying. I'm still working through and feel very conflicted about what does it mean. A lot. A big part of prayer for me is not just talking with God. But it's about bringing concerns of others or even of of myself to him. And how does that make sense? I'm not being that articulate here. What is that relationship? That's where I that that is fraught. If someone were to say, oh, prayer is about being silent and listening for God, that makes a lot of sense to me. And I think I could work at that practice. Like with the Eugene Peterson thing, I think, okay, that's something I think I could try to do. But so much of prayer in our churches and that we say that we're doing for other people has to do with real life situations that matter. And that's where I have to be very honest. I'm confused about how and why we should pray in that way. Yes. So should I guess, you know, it's a good segue to the thinking about the question, why, why do we care so much about prayer and, and yeah. why should we do it? Should we do it? Because I'm with you. There are times where I almost don't want to tell people I'm praying for them because if whatever we're sort of praying towards, that end doesn't come, 
you know, and it's like, was it just a nice sort of like, oh, I was praying for you. Didn't really have any effect that we that we can see or we wanted. You know what I mean? Like, that's a little hard. You know what I mean? Like, and again, I think part of it is that I don't have to defend the mystery of God. I, I, I don't mind that as much anymore because I'm like, I'm asking. Like, God isn't, you know, I'm not going to be like, I'm not like God's PR firm. You know what right. I mean? Like, where I'm like, well you know, it didn't work because of this or it didn't, like, I don't know why it didn't work, like, or why it did. I mean, like, I can't explain Or why. if it did. Or right? if it did, yeah. right? Because that's the thing, the scientific mind in us, can, you can attribute, oh, there's always some sort of, like, counter-explanation, right? And some of it's just faith, right? Some of it is just faith. Well, and I, I think, too, um, yeah, I... You don't want to feel like it's God is like a genie that if you fit on the right formula or if you have the right fervency, I've heard, I'm sure you've heard that argument before, like, oh, you didn't have enough faith. Some people, there's some strains that, of Christianity that might say like, oh, well, that God didn't answer that prayer because you didn't have enough faith. You didn't really believe he he could do it or there wasn't enough, you know, and I'm thinking, oh, do we have to tip the scales? Like if I had five more people praying, would that kid not have died of leukemia? You know, it, it as you said, I'm not into trying to... One thing I think you and I have both said that we were working towards, and one of the reasons we're talking about these issues and doing this podcast is we don't want to wrap everything up and say, okay, the scales are balanced. Like we've got it figured out. You're right. There is some mystery there. Oh, yeah. In, in thinking about how it works. But I, you know, the question of why do we pray and why should we care about it? One way I would answer that is that. At my mo- when I'm cut to the quick or when I'm at my most base, when I have nothing else, nowhere else to go, or I'm s- very scared or hurt, prayer is the first place that I go. It's still interesting to me that that's the only place. I mean, I can think of a couple examples of um, it's almost like I don't have any choice but to do it, even though I'm not sure what why I'm doing it or if it's working. I remember when my um, sorry when my nephew was born. Um, there was a couple, I was with my sister and, uh, he was, his, his, um, APGAR score was very, very low. She had a really difficult birth and we were at a small hospital that didn't have all the equipment that they really needed probably to deal with him at at that moment. And he, they rushed him over. So she had just given birth and I'm holding her hands and they rushed my nephew away and all we could do. I mean, the two of us, that's all we could do. It was like, it's like we were like a like in sync, right? Like all we could do was pray for him. My brother-in-law went over to where they were working on him and we just prayed. I don't know what that did. I don't know. And my my, my nephew was fine. They got his apgar up. They did all the things they're supposed to do, but for those moments of sheer terror for my sister and I as we're we're holding hands there, that's what we did. We said all we can do is cry out to God. We have no other place to go. Mm-hmm. Um you know, I had uh, another experience where I was out uh, maybe talk about this in one of our later podcasts where I was in a really horrible car accident and I was on the side of the road and I don't actually, I don't actually remember this because I, uh, my head was injured and so I don't have memory of, of the accident in the aftermath, but the person who came to the side of the road and helped pull me out of the car said that what I kept repeating was Jesus, please help me. I'm so scared. Please help me. That, sorry, that that was my, the cry of my heart, or that's the only place that I could go. So for me, in many ways, um, that oddly, I find that comforting that I, even though I don't understand prayer and I'm not sure how it works, I know I do, I think at a deep seated level, believe that God is listening to me and he is present with me and that it's never going to be a bad thing to reach out to him. 
And so I think it's less about what do I ask him for or how formulaic are my prayers or am I, when you're cut to that, you know, I use that phrasing and cut to the quick or when you're cut to the bone, you're just going to be raw. And I, and, and, and prayer is a way for me to express that or, or to go to God. So that's comforting in an odd way to me. No, that makes a lot of sense. It is comforting or can be. Uh, I think that also people have the opposite experience of prayer too, where, um, yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I think that one of the reasons that I, I continue to pray or try to pray is to remember that God is near, that God is with me, but it doesn't always feel that way. Right. Yeah. It doesn't always feel like a comfort, uh, especially when something awful has happened. Um, uh, when, when tragedy is struck and, and, and things are not okay. You know what I mean? Like not all is well with the world and it, you know, you can't, can't pray your way out of, of some tragedy. Right. right? So, uh, but I think that in general, I still pray because I, I want to remember, uh, that I'm not alone. Yeah. Um, and also gratitude. Uh, mm-hmm. there's a lot of emerging science on gratitude and what it does for us. So it's not just a pragmatic thing where it's like, Oh, this is really good for me to pray. But I realize that when I, see life as a gift. Um, you, it's hard to have a gift without a giver, right? Yeah. Otherwise you end up with like, I'm getting what I deserve. I work for it. This isn't a gift. This is just good pay for good work. Life well lived. I deserve a nice house, good spouse, healthy kids, you know, pension, all that stuff, whatever. Well, 401k, nobody has a pension (laughs) anymore, but unless you're from Chicago, unless you're from Chicago, I don't think they do anymore either. Actually forget. I said it. I think they got rid of those. A little bit of a sore point there. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I realize that gratitude in kind of a backwards way reminds me that there's a giver, right? That, yeah. I, that I receive things. And and when you can receive things as a grace, that's the, the root, same root word as gratitude, gratis, right? Um, that changes your outlook on life. Like, and I know I, all of us are ungrateful, but I'm, I really am. I'm good at saying thank you to people, but I also have an expectation of things that should come to me. I know I do. And my wife's had to point it out to me before. And I dated a girl before her. And I remember one of our biggest fights was because she did something really, really nice to me. And like, I just didn't show much gratitude. I was just like, Oh, that's cool. And I was like, you know, what an asshole move, you know, on my part, you know, you learned. That's why you got that. That's why you're yeah. married now, you know, you yeah. learned from that experience. Yeah, I probably did. I hopefully learned from that, but I'll, I'll ask her and find out how you're doing. Okay, yeah, you, you should check in. You should check yeah. in. Yeah. I don't know. All may not be well. I don't know, but it is one of my sort of, you know, areas where I, I, I can struggle and revert, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's part of it and living a life of gratitude. Yeah. Uh, and also just, uh, what, what do they call it? Like an enchant, an enchanted world, like keeping mm-hmm. a world where the divine is active and present, uh, and that, sort of divine imagination that you can have. Like mm-hmm. I am, you, you've heard me talk, Kate, you know that I am sort of like a very skeptical, cynical person. I need all of that sort of mystery and awe and divine animation that I can get. Yeah. And prayer helps keep me in touch with that for sure as well. Um, and sometimes, sometimes I hear from God, I will say, but it doesn't come at my, request, behest, command, or anything else, you know? You know, you made a good point earlier where you said, 
Thank you. I, uh, well, you made several good points earlier. I, I, I don't know if you were quoting Eugene Peterson or... or oh, or you so- had to take it away from no, me. No, no, or someone else <laughs> where you were saying that it's it's not about the that more quality and more quantity could lead to greater quality, but you shouldn't expect like not every experience of prayer, but putting yourself in God's path. Maybe that's the way to put it. Like putting, opening yourself up and putting yourself in God's path. You're more likely to understand when you hear God's voice. And I will say too, that I have had experiences. And again, maybe this is the thing it's in those times of when I, Almost when I can get beyond myself, when I'm so sad or so brokenhearted, maybe there's like nothing left in me and I've just, I have no place else to go but to God that I have had those types of experience or that vision or I've, I've gotten to see God's presence. I'm actually hadn't thought about it in that way until just talking with you about it. Um, and maybe the trick for me is to try to do that more, to put my, that's the stretch for me. Um, I can't recreate I, and I it would be sadomasochistic, right? To be like, oh, I want to suffer a lot so I can experience God a lot. I don't think we're wired no. that way. I already know that in times of deep suffering, I'll get out of my own way because there'll be nothing left of me and I'll be able to experience God. But maybe my stretch, I really liked what you said about Eugene Peterson, about, you know, having the Psalm and then just being silent. I, I honestly think I've been trying as you guys can probably tell, I like to talk. So I've been trying to talk to God, talking to him a lot, even with my infrequent praying for my whole life. And so maybe that is the step. Maybe what it is with prayer is there's stages you go through where maybe silence is like a good, just a good practice for me to cultivate, which we don't often associate with prayer. Silence, and we probably should. So that's really helpful, Dave. Thanks. Yeah. Eugene, I'm, thanks. I'm, thanks, Eugene. Uh, no, I'm, I'm really glad that that struck a chord with you too, because that's really where my head is as well. Um, and I, I, I'm thinking about, have you ever heard of, uh, the, the, have you ever heard of the phrase God of the gaps? Yes. Like, like in science yeah. or something where there's not a scientific explanation of something and there's a gap in our explanatory power, people will be attribute that to God. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, science tra- will come in and say, no, we can explain that gap away too. It's almost that way. And I want to get, I think I want to get better at not just praying when I can't help but praying because I can't do anything else. Mm-hmm. I know it's a silly example, but like, you know, nowadays, like, and I think people should do this, but like, if you get a headache, you don't sit down and be like, Oh God, take my headache away. Like you'll take Tylenol. Right. 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 It's like, that's a gap that medical science is filled. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but it doesn't mean that there, like when life feels like, because we all organize life to go as smoothly as possible. Right. Uh, and you can, if you're young and healthy and have a decent income and live in a pretty safe area, we can be pretty problem free overall, yeah. right? We're insulated from a lot of, I think a lot of other people have no choice. Uh, probably the majority of the world has no choice but to re- rely on God in that way or or to seek him in that way be- because life is so hard. Basic provision and things yeah. seem a lot more tenuous, right? And, yeah. and, and under threat. Um, and I think in the West, we... We often, and it's good, we do the God of the gaps prayers, right? Where like there's nothing we can do to affect change. There's a gap in our agency. Mm-hmm. And I want to get, because uh, I like you, I don't want to invite suffering to get a good prayer life cook- cooking. Right, you know, like, right. you know what, let's turn this up a bit. Like let's, let's have an anvil fall on somebody in my family or, you know what I mean? Like, how about I love some that you used plague? an anvil as an example. I don't know what books you've been reading lately with anvil. Oh, that's Wile E. Coyote. Oh, yeah. So sorry, no, it was a cartoon. I'm glad you thought me uh, uh, erudite. Uh, in that yeah, way, erudite yeah. in that way. But no, 
Uh, yeah. So I think that I'm, I'm probably leaning that way and toward what you're saying where I just am trying to listen more and honestly just uh, listen with more generosity and, mm-hmm. and less certainty, right? Uh, about like, this is what prayer is. I'm going to go in, I'm going to pray, I'm going to check it off uh, and just be more open to God saying what God has to say and not going in with as much of an agenda. But there are things that I want that I do pray about still. And the other thing is I'm okay with being, I want to be okay with being superficial. So uh, I want a sports car. I've always wanted one. I don't mind praying for one. I don't think that we should all just pray for wealth. I don't pray for it as a sign of like God's blessing. You know what I mean? But like, if you have something you really want in life, you know, like, why not pray for it? It's like, don't discredit it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, oh, this is sinful. Or, I don't need one. You know what I mean? But that's a, that might sound like a silly example. Uh, but it's not so I look like a sweet dude and like, you know, get on the lifestyles of the rich and famous. Remember that show from when we were little? I do. Yeah. So it's not even on anymore. So I missed my window. But uh, it's like, I, you know, that's something I would just love. I think I would delight in that. So I know that sounds funny in addition to all these other things, but... I think growing up, did you ever get discouraged from praying for certain things because they were too worldly? Oh, for sure. For sure. I was like, no, if my heart still wants this after 42 years on this earth, I might give it some prayer. What's the worst that could happen? I don't get one? Well, I'm already in that situation, so why <laughs> why not? Why not? Well, we would love to hear from you on what if you think Dave should be praying for sports. You, that can be the first question. Should Dave? And what nationality? German, Italian, no, just kidding. <laughs> so Dave's sports car. But also, if you have any, I, I would love to hear from other um, people about how you pray, um, maybe practices that have worked for you. If there's any other resources that you think would be helpful that other people would benefit from, we would really welcome, as always, all of your feedback. Thanks so much for being with us this week. Life's not a sequence program from the sky.